Good morning, East Point. Uh, This morning as we gather, we think about tomorrow and Labor Day, but we also think about Saturday, which is the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11. And uh, as we gather this morning, we want to pray for those, but I also want to encourage you uh, with uh, with the untimely ending of the Afghanistan war. If you know someone who served and the close connection that has to 9-11, if you know someone that served in Afghanistan, to encourage them through this week, this is going to be a tough week. And so let's pray together for um, our country uh, through this time uh, as, we, as we somberly remember the events of 20 years ago. Father, it's, it's hard to believe um, that it's been 20 years um, since the attacks on our soil happened on 9-11. And we, um, we remember, Lord, we remember the pain that we endured. We remember the fear that we felt. We remember so many of the emotions of insecurity, of not knowing what would happen. Lord, we also remember how we, in so many ways, turned to you through that time. We remember how we came together. We remember how we united. And Lord, we long for those days in our days now of division and strife and pain. So, Lord, we we come to you with our hearts heavy um, for where our country has been, for what happened to our country, but also for where our country is at today. And we pray, Lord, that as we remember the events of 9-11, that we would also remember that we are best when we come together. We are best when we come together in you, when we seek your face, when we ask you to bless our country. And so, Lord, we humbly come to you once again and ask you to heal our land, to bring unity, to bring a knowledge of you, Lord, to this land. May we not look merely to our earthly leaders for that wisdom, Lord. May we not put our hope as it says in the Psalms, in horses, or in warriors, or in chariots, but may we put our name, our trust, in the name of the Lord our God. Lord, we pray for those who fought in Afghanistan. We pray for those who are wondering what they fought for. We pray for your peace for them. We pray for your healing for them. We pray for your endurance for them. We pray for your strength. God, we recognize that until you return, we will live in the midst of an age of questions, in the midst of an age where there is pain and suffering in this world. And yet we live in a time where we can trust in you, Lord. We know that you are faithful through it all. That no matter what the surface looks like, Lord, that you hold it all together in your right hand that you will restore this world when you return. And we look forward to that restoration. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, this morning I want to introduce to you someone who probably needs no introduction for many of you. Uh, When we were in between pastors, Mike Bratton came uh, and shared with you on a number of occasions. I think he was about half half the times that he was sharing here. Uh, He previously led Sunbury Christian Church before his retirement. 
and his retirement is not really retirement in a lot of ways. He's still working plenty hard. But one of the things I really appreciate about Mike is that he brings pastors together. In fact, he was a vital part of bringing pastors together uh, in a group that I meet in, in a, in a group of about seven or eight guys. We actually got up to eight the other day. It was great. We got some new guys. Uh, and that meant a lot to me coming in as a new guy. And so Mike is a guy whose heart is for the church, whose heart is for pastors being healthy. And I, as one, deeply appreciate that as a new guy to the area. So please welcome Mike as he comes to share with us this week. And that is the guy that we prayed for, right? Yeah, we did. We prayed for, we uh, asked God for uh, for. What he had in store next for East Point, and I appreciate being a part of that. I appreciate the leadership here, the got to know and, and the staff, the elders, and got to pray with them often. Also for you, and uh, many familiar faces, and, and that's usually a good thing anyway, right? Today is, is uh, it, it's part of Labor Day weekend, and I thought, what do I preach on Labor Day weekend? You've got to preach about work, Right? But then I thought, you know, none of us really enjoy our work. And so what am I going to say here? And I just thought about myself and what I've been through. I've just so many things that God has brought us through. Since I was here at East Point, I have preached for three different churches who were in between preachers. And so got to, uh, to do basically for them uh, what I got to do for you. For another preacher that was on sabbatical for seven weeks, taking some time off so that he could refocus and and uh, drive home the last portion of his life in ministry. And since then, we have moved up to the other side of Mount Vernon, Apple Valley. And my wife and I, have, uh, finally, after a year and making it our own, it, we call it home now. But uh, it's, it's been a real transition for us. Labor Day weekend. I like what one of my neighbors said. He said, uh, you know, when I retired, he said it was great. He said I could wake up and have absolutely nothing to do. And then he said, and then when I went to bed that night, I only got half of it done, you know? I didn't have any clue what he was talking about until I got retired, and now I, I understand. I was at Lowe's department store yesterday, and uh, we've been fixing up the outside of the house and mulching and those kind of things. Isn't that what you're supposed to do on Labor Day weekend, right? So I'm doing that, and we can only fit 10 bags in the back of our, our car, so I've got 10 bags in the trunk. And as I'm checking out, the young lady says, well, is there a purchase order? Is there some kind of a work order that goes with this or, or whatever? And I paused for a moment, and I smiled. I looked at her, and I go, does W-I-F-E does that work as a work order? And, uh, and we laugh together. At work is not going to end until we finish here in this side of glory, that's for sure. And yet, there is some, some good that comes through our work. I, I enjoy working because I enjoy seeing a finished product. My mind went in so many different directions as to what do I preach from. And I wanted to turn to John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, feel free to do that. But what I'm going to do this morning is pull out three different verses of Scripture, two in chapter 5 and one in chapter 6 that have to do with work. Jesus is with his disciples. He comes down to a place in Jerusalem. It's the Pool of Bethesda. And while he's there, he's inquiring about this man who has been an invalid for 38 years. 38 years. 
He walks up to the man, and, and without going into all the narrative, he then heals him, and he says, pick up your mat and walk. Take up your mat and walk. Go on home. It's okay. You've been here. So he does. He picks up his mat. He begins to walk. He's walking home. He doesn't even know who Jesus is at this time. Now, we could go a lot of different directions. Well, what about... I thought you had to have faith to be healed. Well, I thought, and we, we're not going to go there today, okay? We're going to just kind of stick with the topic of work. And he tells the man, pick up his mat and walk. And as he's walking, the leaders of the Jewish faith right there in the, in the religious system, they see him. And this is a Sabbath day. This is a Saturday in which you're not supposed to do any work. Supposed to rest from all of your work. And so they go up to him and say, what are you doing? Picking up your mat. What are you doing? Taking, he goes, uh, well, the, the guy that healed me, uh, he told me to pick it up and, and, and to take up my mat and then go. He didn't even know who Jesus was. I love it. I love it. A little bit later, Jesus finds him in the temple and they talk through some things. And then a little bit later, the Jewish leaders find Jesus. And it says that at that point, they began to plot to kill him because he had worked on the Sabbath day. And so they challenge him on this one. What are you doing working on the Sabbath day? You are breaking our rules. Well, the rules that he was breaking wasn't the Mosaic law of the Old Testament. It was their man-made rules is what he was breaking. You see... The idea was to quit from your labor for a while, to worship the Lord, to take in family, to rest for a little bit. God knows that we need that kind of break, that kind of rest. And so with that, Jesus basically says, not breaking any rules. Their rules were, they had 39 rules to define the rule of breaking the Sabbath law. They had 39 extra laws. And so he had violated. They had laws as far as how you could walk, how far you could walk. They had laws on which side of the street you could spit. Seriously. They got that picky and that controlling over something that God said, you just need a break. You need to rest. You need to be able to breathe. And so the answer that Jesus gave was this. He said, my father has been working unto this day, and I also am working. Whoa, they didn't like that. Two things they didn't like about that. Number one, he called God his father, making himself equal with God. That's what the narrative says in John. And all along the way, Jesus is going to be revealing the fact that he is God come in the flesh. Now, that's going to be why they put him on the cross. But for now, let's just focus on the other part. My father is working unto this day. What is my father doing? What's God the father doing at this point in time? I just kind of got to, what is the work of God? Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens. And in the midst of infants and children, you have ordained praise. In the midst of your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. David goes on and he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, 
the moon and the stars that you've set in place. What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would even care for him? You've made him a little lower than the angels, and yet you have crowned him with honor and glory. You've made him ruler over all the work of your hands. You've set everything under his feet. All herds and flocks, beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that swim in the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Two times in that psalm, David says, your work, your work. And when he refers to that, he's, he's talking about creation. But the first time that he says that, he says, the work of your fingers. If you would picture this, creation, and it's a literal translation from the Hebrew, the work of God in creation was like child's play. It's like a preschooler sitting at a table, and he's got watercolors. And he's taking this, and he's kind of putting it on there, and he's looking at it. and he's enjoy- I think God enjoyed putting together the earth and the world. and all. I don't think that was really work for him. It was something that he could have done in a day, but he took six to do. It was something from which he rested, not because he was tired, but to set an example for you and me. But the work of God, since that was mere child's play for God, what really is the work of God? Peter says this, that from the foundations of the earth, God knew that he would send forth his son, right? God knew that mankind would blow it. We would sin. We would need a savior. So the real work of God is to strive with mankind. And he says, I'm not going to strive with mankind forever. The real hard work of God is to convince us that we are his creation, that we are loved by him, and we're loved so much that he sent his only son and to draw us unto himself. But the hard work of God sometimes is to sit back and let us choose wrong. Oh, is that hard? If you have children, you know what that's about, right? And God does that. He allows us. And so he works to draw us, but he allows us to say yes or no. My father is working to this day, Jesus said, and I also am working. He's the son of God. He's also working. What is it that Jesus' work was? A little bit later, he says, I do the work the father has given me to do. I do the work he's given me to do. You know what that work was for the first 30 years of his life? For 30 years, all he did was live life perfectly in a very imperfect and sinful world. You know, we have a God who loves us so much. He became one of us, walked through life like we do, was tempted by, was, he was in a bad spot. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth, right? One of those towns. That's where he was from. For 30 years, all he did was live a life of integrity and purity and holiness so that one day he would be able to die on a cross. 30 years worth. Don't just slough that one off. He knows what it is to go through a lot of what you and I are going through in life. That was the work the Father had given him to do. 
And then for three and a half years, he focused on building a leadership that could be there and turn the world upside down when he leaves. So for three and a half years, he built that base and he healed and he rose the dead and and everything else that, that he could do to prove that he was the son of God. And then after those three and a half years, he went to the cross and died for you and me. He became obedient to the father's will even to the death on the cross, right? And so that was the work that God the Father had for him to do. That was his work, all right? Now, what's the work that he's given you and me to do? I was told that I have 25 minutes to preach. I promised him I wouldn't go over 45. I was thinking through the different jobs that I've had since, and I counted up over 20 jobs that I've had. If you started backing it up, you know, and, and thinking about all the different jobs that you had. When I was a kid, mowing grass, right? All three of my kids did paper routes. Uh, we just, all those kind of little jobs that you did. My dad owned a construction outfit, and I'm the second of six boys, and so we all grew up learning how to build houses, condos, Kentucky Fried Chickens, whatever we built. I learned how to frame, I learned how to finish. I hated finishing. I hated that. I loved framing. Carrying a four by eight, eight piece of plywood across the trusses, throwing it down, nailing it up. I was, I, was, I was feeling good with that, okay? But to stick me in a room and make me finish, oh, hated that. Worked for a newspaper office, worked for the school, got two years of tuition singing for them and, and come live teams and things like that. I worked at a Uh, A place where I was an operator, machine operator. I've worked, well, I also worked in ministry, okay? Get that one. (laughs) A couple of different churches where I was a youth minister, five different churches where I was the senior minister. But not only that, I worked in a warehouse. I I was in ministry for five years, got out for three. I worked in a place in Cincinnati, it was called Superfoods. And what we did was that we serviced independent grocery stores. And so for the first year that I was there, all I did was fill trucks, 30 to 40,000 pounds a day, is what we're lifting, putting in, truck. Then I got the gravy job, you know, I got to drive the tow motor, right? And then I wanted to get on days, and so I bid on a job and I got it, it was to be the janitor on days. In order to be able to get on days, that's the job that I took. What's the worst job you think you've ever had? Can you think back to your worst job, all right? How about maybe it, maybe it wasn't the job itself, but maybe it was the boss, all right? We've all kind of got a, a worst job scenario. We, we all do. Well, one of my worst jobs ever was this job. On days, six months, I was the janitor in a warehouse that... Do you know how guys take care of bathrooms, right? It, some of you have experienced that at home. Try a, a warehouse with about 90 guys, all right? And that was my job. So when I got that job to get on days, I'm cleaning, I'm cleaning the warehouse, I'm cleaning the bathrooms, one of the worst jobs I've had. But during the cleaning of the bathrooms, there were always these magazines that shouldn't be there. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And as I'm cleaning up the bathrooms, 
I would start taking these magazines and start hiding them so they'd have to look for them to find them. Not just have them right there in plain sight. And then after a little while, a few weeks on the job, or maybe a month or so, I decided, you know what? Part of my job is throwing out the trash, right? And so some of these magazines ended up started missing because I was tossing them in the trash can. One of the guys asked me, and, and I said, <laughs> you know, I, I really prayed about this. And I really thought through this. And when he asked me, he said, where are those magazines? I mean, you, you know what? I go, well, they told me to throw out the trash. So, and I just kind of left it like that. He knew exactly what I was talking about. But that was one of my worst jobs. But I did my job with integrity. And I think that that's what is expected from God for us, no matter where we are. And the guys knew what kind of, an, an, what kind of a person I was, what kind of a character I had. I think the only reason the guy that hired me was because he didn't think preachers could work. He knew that I'd been in ministry. But he didn't know my dad. And my dad worked us hard. After I was there for two months, this guy loved to just get red in the face and just really get hard on people. And he, was, he did that to me after two months there. And he just was yelling at me and getting red in the face. and rah, rah, rah. The next day, he came back and apologized. Earl had never been known to do that. A few months later, he did it again, getting on me, just yelling up and down. And a little bit later that same day, he came back and apologized. Never been known to do that before. Third time he did that, we were on the dock. Guys are all around, and he's getting on my case about something. And at this point, I've, it's, it, that's enough. Third time's a charm for me, okay? And I said, Earl, I said, I'm not a mind reader. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it, number one. Number two, I work when you're looking, and I work when you're not looking. I said, how many guys out here can you say that about? He kind of smiled, nodded, walked off, never did it again. Because he knew the integrity was there. He knew that. When I left after three years, he said, Mike, if you ever have any brothers that need a job, you let me know because they'll have one. You see, it's not necessarily where you are, it's how you treat where you are. And for me, there are two things that go on. When God has a work for me to do, I will do it to the best of my ability. When I was in ministry, Dustin, when I was in ministry, in our contracts, okay, and I did this freely of my own volition. In my contract with the elders, I said, I will work a 50 to 55-hour week. You can count on it. I followed a preacher one time that said, they work 40 hours a week, I'm working 40 hours a week. Are you serious? Number one, we got the most important job that I can think of doing. Number two, how are you going to set an example for somebody that works 40 hours a week and then expect them to put in volunteer hours? How are you going to set an example if all you do is work 40? And so I promised our elders, and I did two work studies, and they were 55 hours each. Need to spend time with family, need to spend time relaxing and doing those other things. And pretty soon, my staff understood what was going on, and they put it in their contracts as well. Integrity, integrity is huge wherever you are, no matter what you're doing. What is the work that God has 
called you to do. In John chapter 6, Jesus kind of picks up this theme again. And he says this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. <laughs> that sounds easy, doesn't it? The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. Do you know what that really means? It doesn't mean to believe like the demons believe because they tremble, they know. It means more than that. It means that if you've taken a real good look at Jesus and you really believe he is who he said he is, the very son of God, and you give your life to him, now it doesn't matter what you do for an occupation. It matters what you do with your life at home, at school, at work, doesn't matter where you are. Your speech will betray you. Is it godly or ungodly? Your work will betray you. Is it godly or ungodly? What you do within your family, it will betray you. Is it godly or ungodly? What kind of a real person are you? If you believe in the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ, then that makes him both Lord and Savior of your life. Not just Savior comes as a package deal. When you realize who he is and how much he cares for you and he saves you, then you want to give your life to him and you want to live your life freely as unto him, no matter where you are, no matter what you do. May I, in closing, just kind of suggest two things, two things. One's for the world and, and one is in your spiritual world, all right? A guy said this a long time ago and it made sense to me. He said, one of the first things you need to do in the day is to make your bed. And I'm going, what? Make your bed? Are you serious? You're going to say this from the pulpit? And you know what? I found that he's right. He went on and he said, this is why, because it's probably one of the things you don't want to do in the morning, all right? Especially if somebody's still in the bed. No, you don't make your bed if somebody's still in the bed, all right? Now, that's not what we're talking about. You get out of bed just two minutes early, and you fix the bed up, and you've already accomplished one thing you really didn't want to do that day anyway. And now when you go back by that room and by that door and in that room, you constantly are reminded, I accomplished one thing today. And it starts you off on the right road of... If somebody's still in the bed, do something in the kitchen to help clean it up. Do something, but immediately within your own home, do one thing that gets you on the right road. And then the rest of the day, you know. the second thing, make sure you spend time with God in the morning, in the morning. Pause with a cup of coffee. Make it five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 if you're in a hurry, make it on the road. But spend the time with God. Why? Because it'll make a difference in your attitude when you get to work. When you have asked God to walk this day with you, then you'll be a better employer, better employee. You'll be a better person because you're no longer living your life for somebody else or just for a paycheck. 
You're living your life for the Lord Almighty. And as you walk through this world, that's when you're at your best. Met a young man this morning that's going into the Marines, or at least that's his plan after uh, his senior year. I almost did that one day away from doing the Marines myself. And you know what I told the Lord at that point in time? I said, I really don't care if it's ministry or Marines. I need you to pick. And I prayed about it, and God picked for me. But you know what? If I'd have been in the Marines, I'd have been his in the Marines. Amen? If I went in ministry, I'd been his in ministry. I didn't care what my occupation was. What I cared about is what my life was. And my life was going to honor the Lord. I want you to think about how is it that you live your life before men. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that even as we've talked about, taken a look at, your work in this world isn't creation. I think that was playtime. Your work in this world is to draw us to yourself. I thank you for the work that Jesus did in this world. It wasn't just the cross. It was to live this life in this very difficult world and then to offer himself. And Father, for us, help us that as we work in this world, we'll do our very best. And people look at us won't have a reason not to become a Christian. But then when we speak about our relationship with you, it'll ring true. And they'll realize, oh, that's why they're different. Father, bless us to the end that we would give our lives to Jesus Christ every day. We pray in his name. Amen.